you know, especially with social media and all the pressure that these young people have been, you know, born into. They've been born into this horrific, horrific space of technology. And, I'm, and I know technology has, you know, huge benefits and I'm, I'm not, you know, downplaying the benefits of technology. But, you know, they have to put on such a face that they don't even know who they are anymore. You know, like we really, what we do at Young Urban Arts is we really tap into who they are authentically and we allow them to be who they are authentically. Hello and welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Tal and this is the Creative Innovation Podcast. How are you doing? The weather is tense but hopeful. Yeah, we've got Kerry O'Brien, founder of the wonderful, wonderful Young Urban Arts Foundation coming up. She's also known as Lady MC if you were a part of the jungle scene or you're into MCing. She's just a brilliant, brilliant, inspiring lady and we're going to get deep into that in a moment. But first, I've got to thank these wonderful sponsors who keep this show free, and you should support them too. Illustrationweb.com, wonderful illustration agency. Check them out if you're an app director, creative director, just an illustration or animation fan. They're really worth your time. They do everything from animations to gifts to war murals, lettering specialists, fashion illustrators, portrait artists. You name it, they've got a broad and deep range of talent going right across the globe. Go and have a look, illustrationweb.com. Heartsinternet.co.uk, digital and tech sponsor. They do brilliant hosting domain names, SEO advice, social media advice, good stuff when you need to get your business up off Google. <laughs> um, check them out. They give us a digital tip every episode. And this time I wanted to mention something that Kerry touches upon in this episode. And it's about what young people have to grow up with now in terms of putting a face on, being exposed to social media from an early age. Is it a destructive thing? Is it a positive thing? I don't know. I guess that's up for us as parents, as a society to decide. But she talks about the fact that, you know, when young people, like all of us, do not have an idea who they are until an older age, spending so much time pandering to social media followings, to what they are expected to be, what they think society demands of them with all this kind of ugly oversharing in today's culture, uh, it struck me as quite a destructive thing, and, and, and you'll see what Kerry thinks of that in the episode. I worry that when we're adults, this is going on a lot. I see so much of it, and I just worry about it getting to a point where we spend more time sharing work we've done than actually exploring creativity, and it's just a thought, and maybe you disagree with me, but I see it a lot. I spend so many people just hammering like the Instagram stories and the work and putting stuff on Instagram, and it's nice work, but... I just wonder, I think creativity has to be private too, it has to be for us, and I think we have to spend time exploring that without the need to share every single little modicum of that, you know? Just a thought, interested in your thoughts, get us your feedback on that one at Rest All Mimics, and that is heartinternet.co.uk, check them out. Foilco.co.uk, providing that lovely, sexy, shiny stuff on your book covers, your whiskey bottles, and your magazine mastheads. Uh, they do awesome work. Matt Hornby from Foilco was on a previous episode not too long back. Go and have a listen. It's really, really not as intimidating as you think to work with Foil with your designer, or if you are a designer, it's something to consider. So go and check it out. Speak to them. They're lovely, friendly people, and they will give you a full rundown. I'm sure they'll give you a tour of the building. They'll come and see you with their portfolio of foils and all that. The biggest range of hot stamping files in design for as long as I can remember. So go and take a look. They're brilliant. Um, and last but not least, the AOI.com, the Association of Illustrators, the Business Empowerment Campaign rumbles on. It was a Mental Health Awareness Week a couple of weeks ago, and it's particularly pertinent for this episode today. It's another one along those lines, particularly with young people. So 
head over to the AOI's social and the website and you'll see, uh, I'll, I'll post a link actually on my social on at Restonomix, but I wrote a piece for them about help for people who are freelancing, you know, maybe spending too much time alone and all that stuff. Little tips to safeguard just that, that happiness, that mental health. So for what it's worth, go and check it out. Uh, thank you for that. I thought I should also mention actually, you know what's nice, um, and it kind of goes back to this tip with our internet and it's to do with mental health and um, Ben O'Brien so Ben the illustrator I've got a lot of time for Ben and, and he does a lot of not just amazing work but he does a lot of shouting about important issues in our industry some great work so he's really worth the, worth the time to, to check out whether it's on social his website however you want to follow him just keep an eye on what he's up to because he's a lovely guy and he mentioned actually it was during the mental health awareness week he said I planned to, to talk about this stuff this week and my head wasn't there and I thought that was wonderful, I thought it was very honest, I thought it was very well put, and it raised a great point, exactly what Kerry mentions here about that kind of need to share, that need to put everything online, that need to, that's quite destructive at times, and I think it traps us in these corners. So it was just something that, that Ben raised, and I thought it was quite lovely how he did that, and really important to remember. It, you know, we have these weeks, we have these days, and, and everyone gets on that big book conversation, and it's really great because it raises the topic, and it, and it gets that conversation moving forward. But what we have to remember is it's just not it's not just about these days it's not just about these weeks because we can't choose how we feel on certain days that's the sad fact it would be nice if we could um but we can't and i think it's important to have those conversations when you're good and ready sometimes you have to use those feelings those negative feelings to kind of channel and to shout loudly about something that you feel needs to be talked about maybe it's just because of the way you're feeling maybe it's because you see a great deal of other people feeling that way whatever the motivations i think you have to work with your personality and your character and do these things when they're right for you um, and that doesn't just go for mental health but that goes for the whole online thing again it's, it's about it's just a little cautionary message of um, you know not not feeling the need to do things but it has you know the want or the right timing is what is what's important with this stuff because the way of the world these days can put us under immense pressure. We all feel like we're competing with our neighbour. We all feel like we've got to be as cool as the next person on social media. And it's just a little bit of a reminder that we have to make this thing work for us. Don't let it take over. Don't let it dominate your practice because it can very quickly lead to unhappiness and a downward spiral in creativity. That's my, my sentiment on it. That's my thoughts anyway. Again, get me your thoughts i'm interested in uh, in knowing how you feel about that it's a conversation i want to have and it's something i do have quite a lot with people so let's extend it to the podcast maybe we'll do something on that on the show actually maybe there's an idea for an episode we will get to that i'm sure anyway um what did you think of nadja loscott last week amv bbdo advertising agency she's a creative partner and um she got into branding taboos some beautiful stories about the blood normal campaign the first time period blood was seen in advertising it's incredible. I think it's really inspiring. Uh, trash aisles to do with the plastic conversation. She's been a part of some wonderful projects. So I'd love to know your thoughts on that. That's Arrest All Mimics. I hope you enjoyed the Andy Cotterill show. Also, um, thank you for anyone who's come down to see the show so far. Uh, stance in Covent Garden the Lemuria project do come down pop down and have a look uh, come and say hello I'm going to be in there this week from the 3rd till the 6th of June and then the show sadly will come down hope you've enjoyed it go and check out the project lemmyyourearart.com um, you can see all the work we've been doing working with all these musicians to shout about identity self-expression and creativity I think that's everything uh, let's get into today's awesome guest so Kerry O'Brien why did I want to cover this subject a story about young people youth and creativity so this is a cause close to my heart i'm going to take you back a little bit into the motivations behind it right so strap yourself in i remember picking i lived in london right and i remember getting on the tube tired knackered one day after work and i picked up the evening standard and i think it was george osborne was editing it at the time um 
the former is he a chancellor? I don't know what the bloody role is. Anyway, the fellow returns up with a briefcase and gives us all bad news about the budget. <laughs> um, but there's a report right in it, and it's on knife crime, and it's about what is happening in our, you know, what is happening in our streets, what is happening in our cities, as the rising knife crime, all this stuff. And I got so angry. I got incredibly angry because it's so insulting to ask those questions when, on the other hand. There's all these things going on, like cuts to youth funding services and everything. So I get really, really enraged about this. And the way I, this is the way I see it. Okay, again, I want your thoughts on this stuff, but this is why I wanted to do this episode. I genuinely believe that the capitalist culture is far from conducive to happiness. Um, I don't think it ever has been. You know, there's there's always pressure. Maybe it was a little easier before this world we live in today, which I feel is getting worse in that respect. The pressure on young people to earn, to spend, I think it's incredibly destructive. It's, it's destructive for all of us, but when you're growing up about this and you haven't got a clue about the world and you need a little bit of space to explore your personality and the things in the world that get you going, what you might want to do for a career, where you might want to live, the people you want to hang around. The pressure to make good on that it kind of kills the ability to do so. So I think a lot of this episode is about... It's about creativity in youth, right? But there's this big problem with knife crime. And I think when you don't have the guidance from home and you live in a society where you've there's been massive cuts in youth services, youth centres are getting closed down, where every bit of land is either a derelict mess or it's being transformed into a new living experience, a block of luxury apartments or a car, fucking car park, right? Um, please forgive the profanity, I get passionate about this stuff. When it could, in my book, it could be or should be a playing field. It should be um, a recreation area. It could be a football pitch, a basketball court. It could just be a space, a skateboard bumps, whatever. Just a flat bit of bloody tarmac would do. But a place for kids to be, to hang out, to have identity, to ride around on their bikes. It's incredibly hard to know what to do with your life when you're growing up with pressure with when you're surviving when you've not had the best start in life from a family home and every penny counts and you're kind of on the breadline or maybe you you know you've got an abusive relationship with your parents i don't know there's all these real real life circumstances that are going on for young people and if you don't have that guidance at home how the hell are you supposed to know what to do at 14 15 16 years old let alone younger so is it any wonder that some of these kids are drifting and getting into trouble? Because what are they supposed to do? You can't go in an indoor space without spending three quid on coffee. You know, the libraries are closing. Like I said, the youth centres have been savagely cut. Go and have a look at the statistics. It's horrendous, particularly under this government. And you can't brush aside the, the, the impact of that on, on, on these young people who are struggling to find identity. And they're left out in the cold. And I think this system, this government, in my opinion, is failing them badly and it makes me so angry you can't do that you can't close down all these things leave all these kids with nothing to do nowhere to go when they don't know who they are and expect them not to fall into the wrong hands it's nothing short of common sense um but sadly when the authorities you know cut police funds uh essentially they're looking at spreadsheets and they're treating the people's lives as figures it's as simple as that it's nips and tucks it's the way they're doing things and what it means is everyone's strapped for time. Teachers don't have the time to, to spend time with kids. 
to find out who they are, to work with them, to develop their identity. Instead, they've got piles of paperwork every day after school. They're, they're, they're rammed um, the exam pressure on kids, the rigidity in the, in the education system, you know, the, the, with the EBAC, the whole EBAC thing. It means that arts subjects uh, are lessened in their value when it comes to like GCSEs. And what that means is that kids are getting even less ways of expressing themselves. They're trapped in, in subjects that perhaps they're not good at, that their personality does not suit. Therefore, instead of harnessing that mischievous energy and spending time to work out why they're doing that and where it's best channeled for them, they're just being marked off as bad kids um, and put in pupil referral units and the rest of it. So to me, it's heinous, but is there any wonder they're ending up in gangs and looking for that love somewhere else outside the home? It's really heartbreaking. I think back and... Um, so I got... I got caught shoplifting from Woolworths. It's, it's a funny story now when I look back at it, and I use it to make a point. I got caught shoplifting, and I, st I stole an Ian Wright Arsenal football Corinthian figure. So for anyone who remembers those in the 90s, were these little big-headed football figurines, and I was collecting them. And I needed this figure to complete my team. And I had this... What I look back and realise now is that my, you know, my, part of my personality, I have this kind of obsessive tr streak, this this... It gives me, basically now in my, in my adult life, it gives me a great work ethic because when I get something that I want to do, it doesn't matter whether it's writing a book, starting a freelance career as an illustrator, when I get motivation in something I'm passionate about, I do not stop. I work my balls off. I work hard. I do not let up until I've achieved what I want to achieve. And if I don't achieve that, I, you know, I, I tend to find good things along the way. That's the way that things seem to work. But I, at this point, I'm a young kid, and like most young kids, I didn't have a clue who I am. I've got no identity. So I don't understand these motivations, this compulsion, this obsession that I had to have Ian Wright to crown this team of 11 football players that I was building. And I had to wait two weeks for my next allowance, my pocket money. My parents worked very well off, so I would get like pocket money every other week. Um, and I had to save up two weeks to get one of these figures to afford one. Um, so what happened? So I nicked it. I nicked it. I stole a couple of cream eggs as like a little warm up thing. It's it's a funny story now, but at the time, it weren't that funny because I got caught by an undercover store detective, banned from all Woolworths across the UK, and after being sort of marched home with, and taken home, you know, this report's been filed in these dark rooms in Woolworths, driven home in a car with a store detective. Utterly terrifying formative experience thankfully for me i get home and i got this safety net in my parents you know they didn't sit there and straighten me out they were kind of shocked this was out of character this wasn't how they'd raise me kind of thing so they go through with me they're asking questions and i concoct this elaborate um story of how this older kid at school like you know I, I named someone this older kid made me do it and the the school were kind of like really this kid you've picked a straight a student and he's someone who pissed me off for whatever reason and it's ridiculous and it's this story of misdemeanor you know and i felt embarrassed about that for many years and it was only recently i was actually able to talk about that and i started to write about it and i looked at the motivation so that obsession that compulsion these were very valuable traits when they're pointed in the right direction thankfully for me i had the people to do that to kind of knock me back on track and it's that same work ethic that enabled me to spend 16 hours a day in the studio when i started my freelance career because i wanted it and needed it so bad i couldn't stand that idea of not working in um of working in a job i didn't love when i had this thing i was passionate about and it was the driving factor in me, you know, being able to get a leg up enough to become freelance and go full time. And I've done it ever since. Um, and I thank that safety net for doing that. The people who, instead of roasting me and writing me off as a bad kid, they made sure I was drawing more. I was going to the youth centres. I was playing football. And that brings me to another point. So 
people talk about the police cuts, right, and they, they point to them and they blame that and they blame gang culture for everything that's going on with the young people and all the sad deaths that we've had this year. And the truth of the matter is, like I said, the teachers ain't got time, the police ain't got time because they've had the budgets cut. There aren't no youth centres, there ain't no places to go for these kids who are, who are wandering the streets because they haven't got the guidance at home. <laughs> so it only brings you to one conclusion. And when I was a kid, so, and I doubt this, it's really sad, but I very much doubt this is going on now. But the local police used to set up this football tournament down at a local leisure centre. It was this basic little leisure centre off the bypass. And they would come down and give their own time voluntarily in the summer holidays to arrange a massive football tournament. And there must have been about, I don't know, 32 teams, you know, squads of seven or whatever. And in a small town like Keithley, that scoops up a, a decent amount of the young kids who were got six weeks on their hands. And for the ones that didn't have the parenting, didn't, you know, they were left out all day, the parents were at work or whatever, or weren't at work and just didn't give a shit, whatever their circumstances were, these kids who you'd seen fighting in the park, bare knuckle style, I'm talking about brawls, fighting, you know, hurting each other, after school, arranged fights that used to go on, um, would be there, they would turn up and they'd invariably, they'd be the captain of their team because they had that kind of fight, you know, dog-eat-dog sensibility I suppose, I don't know if that's the right word but you get what I'm saying and they would turn up and they would captain the team and all of a sudden you see these kids who were scared of the police because they were up to no good suddenly talking to an officer who's in plain clothes who's in a tracksuit, who's coaching his football team and something changed all of a sudden they got a bit of validation they've got a positive A, role model but B, more importantly, some purpose. You know, whether they were captain or not, I mean, there were some kids who didn't even play football, but they would be cheering their mates on at the side of the pitch, and we all had a place to be, and it was simple as that. It was a big outdoor space. It was something official. It was something cool. You could talk about it with your mates. And all of a sudden, the kids who were fighting one another would be on opposing teams. And what you'd see is it would start off as like a couple of petty fouls, and then the next thing, they're talking it out after the match. One of them's won and they shake hands and they're made to shake hands by these police officers who are refereeing the games. And someone gets a trophy by the end of it and everyone goes home. But three weeks out of those six weeks has been gobbled up by this hugely positive experience. And to us, that was the World Cup. And I'm not joking, that's how it felt. It was hard. I remember going out one quarter final and being absolutely heartbroken. It felt like England had gone out when you got people crying in pubs, you know? It's like, it's, it's so, so sad to me that there's no time left in society for that. There's no time for police, for teachers. Um, everything's so savage and everything's the bottom line in these spreadsheets. And this is my personal opinion, so please don't take this as the views of anyone else connected with this show, but I think shame on you to the government and the people who are doing that. Um, and I genuinely believe they don't know what life's like at that you know, at that level. How can you? How can you when you've come from, from wealth? And, and I'm not saying that it's not a badge of honour being from working class background. I'm not saying it's bad being from money either. But it's the divide in the middle of that that's heartbreaking, that government and, and social level. Um, and I could go on all day about this stuff, but I'm not going to because Kerry O'Brien is the one to do that. And she founded, for, for many of those reasons, many in her own story, which she's going to go on to, she founded Young Urban Arts Foundation. And in my eyes, she's an effing saint. Um, young Urban Arts Foundation workshops and programmes empower young people to express themselves, to develop their talents in an exciting range of arts, from singing, rapping and songwriting to graphic design, cinematography and radio presenting. We offer creative workshops, school holiday tours and a range of courses and activities on our outreach media bus, a stylish studio and more on wheels. It's so good, the work these guys are doing, so please support them, reach out to them with your creative talents. If you care about this issue, and I think we all have a responsibility to, because as Kerry rightly flags up, we don't look after these young people. They're the future of this country, this world, 
And if that future is reflective of the hurt and the ab abandonment that these people have suffered, we're all in trouble as a society, that's the truth. So let's get into it. I could go on all day and I'm not putting it as well as Kerry. So I really do want some feedback on this at Arrest Olympics. Let's get that conversation going and look at how you can support these guys. If you've got a spare few quid, please do go donate to them. If you want to slend some of your time, shout about the work they're doing. However little, it all makes a difference. So please do get behind them. If you, like I, are inspired and I like this conversation, I want you to please do go and do something on behalf of this show. Um, they're beautiful people. I'm going to keep shouting about them because um, I think it's huge hugely important in society today we're on a we're on a we're at a pivotal point in society where god things need to change because if funding keeps getting cut beautiful organizations like young urban arts foundation suffer and that is wrong it's morally wrong and it affects every single one of us so there you have it that's why i wanted to support them with this project lend me your ear it was hugely important the, the message that we're trying to show is that you know the whole thing about by being yourself and and leading with your identity showcased by all these brilliant musicians you know the purity in which they've succeeded it is inspiring and that's what we wanted to shout about but there's a massive gulf between that and and the ground level where young urban arts foundation are doing crucial work to give these young people the opportunity to to get an inclination so that they can take the inspiration from the, the likes of these rock stars and kind of look up to that and, and aspire to be who they are and do what they're doing but the point is that without the work of the likes of young urban arts foundation and the the help of you and I they're never going to get a sense of who they are and they're never even going to get on the first step of that ladder and that breaks my heart, so that's why I feel this is so important. Um, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Kerry O'Brien, Young Urban Arts Foundation. Yeah, I've got, I've got, a, bit of an, got quite an interesting story. Um, Travelled quite a bit growing up, so um, we moved, me and my mum and my dad, we moved from the UK, we went to Ireland for a few years. Um, my dad, My dad was Irish. Yeah, and uh, we went to Ireland, and then my I think my mum conceived my brother there, um, and uh, around the sort of beginning of the eighties, uh, you, you're probably aware of the IRA and um, how you know they hated the English, mm. um, and yeah, so my mum my mum was half Indian, half German, oh. and yeah, and obviously with an Irish man, and so living in Ireland around that time was quite dangerous for us. Um, so yeah, we got threatened and <laughs> we had to, we had to leave the country because of the IRA. Um, we got re we got relocated. They were, yeah, it was crazy. You know, they were, you know, putting gun signs outside our door and, oh, wow. you know, graffiti and stuff. It's quite a scary time for my mum, I guess. Um, and yeah, my brother got leukemia, um, and he had a tumor in his chest. So we had to, come back to London for treatments. Um, and then, yeah, we moved around a bit. And, yeah, my dad was uh, my dad was quite a troubled soul, actually. You know, he um, he had an interesting, well, interesting, he had his own troubles growing up. And I think, I don't think they ever left him, to be honest. Um, mm. And, yeah, he, yeah, he was a, yeah, he was, he was actually a criminal, <laughs> my dad. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we were often, uh yeah dealing with that life and um so as we got older as i got a little bit older sort of rounds i don't know maybe six or six seven eight nine um my, my dad was an alcoholic and um and yeah like pretty much all i can remember really growing up was a lot of violence um on my mum uh really uh 
and yeah it was just a very traumatic upbringing really uh, my mum was amazing she's an amazing woman she uh you know held the family together but it was a very hard upbringing you know when you've got violence and addiction um surrounding your childhood it's uh, it kind of shapes who you are mm. as a person you know um and yeah so I was sort of brought up around a lot of aggression and violence so I became quite an aggressive and violent person myself um you know my teenage years um and yeah it was it was hard um and what was really interesting about my dad was that um you know yeah he was an alcoholic and he was an addict but uh, what re was really going on was he had mental health problems mm. and um they were you know they were undiagnosed um so like many people in this world they you know they they just think something's wrong with them and then they turn to coping mechanisms to help which is you know in my dad's case was you know alcohol and drugs and so yeah that's the sort of sad part of it really because um yeah um so yeah so that was my sort of sort of childhood and then as I grew up um my dad was also an incredible musician so um sort of alongside you know all the violence and all that sort of stuff he'd also teach me how to you know write songs and stuff so from about age 11 I started writing songs and um started listening to all different types of music and then when I was about uh, 14 I started going out to raves at a very young age um and then yeah I learned about jungle drum jungle music and uh yeah I sort of immersed myself in that world and yeah and then I started writing songs and I've always been writing poetry and so yeah music was kind of like my savior growing up I suppose it's fact that's I mean that god when you talk it makes me feel like I've been wrapped in cotton wool I mean that's that's a lot of adversity early in life mm. um to deal with but also fascinating the way it man that manifested itself in 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 music and i'm always completely fascinated by the the mind the mind that i have but also just the mind that people who are artistically inclined tend to have which is this very double-edged sword of you know you know interest but layers in the world but also procrastination and overthinking and escapism and all these things and it's something that continues to fascinate me more and more as i grow older yeah i mean you know, the best artists are the ones in the most pain. You know, it's the best songs come from pain, heartbreak, grief, you know, the trauma, abuse, you know, all the things that, you know, that we endure growing up, you know, it's, it's all not even growing up, even as adults. But yeah, I mean, it's the sort of catalyst for creation, isn't it? You know, it's, uh, I don't know, I don't know many, I don't know any artists actually that have just had a really, happy life and they're just creating music because they're happy maybe in the classical <laughs> contemporary world but um <laughs> you know maybe you know in the urban the urban scene that i've been in for 25 years um yeah it's, you know it all stems from a lot of pain so you know it's always going back to that thing of um you know i, I firmly believe that we even as little babies that we create these scenarios in our lives because without them they we're not able to, you know, learn and develop and grow. And, you know, I never would have turned to music as a release if I wasn't going through so much trauma. So, um, so yeah, it was. It really is just a powerful tool to help us to express ourselves. And, you know, without that expression, it's, um, you know, it, you know, all that 
pain and anguish and everything, it makes people sick, you know. So I, I, I do believe that people that don't engage creatively, not just with music and arts, but just in general, something creative that helps them to express themselves, you know, that's a lot of people get sick, you know, they get ill and they get sick because it's all that pent-up energy within our, our bodies. So, yeah, I feel very blessed. Um, it's like a blessing and a curse, you know. <laughs> it really, it really is. It's, it, but yeah. it's co- completely. And how do, you, in terms of, I'm fascinated by, you know, the urban scenes and the jungle scene. Did that, did that? I'm always again. It's a thing that I love about creativity is that common interest and that thing that, no matter what it is, it, it's kind of irrelevant. But that thing that brings people together socially with this common interest and this passion. Did that? Was that good for good for you? Yeah, I mean, if we we to talk about jungle, I mean, well, actually, let's just talk about the da- dance music. You know, like if you go back before jungle, but jungle really brought together all cultures, all nature, all religions, all colors, and you know, what I absolutely loved about jungle was that there was no divide in there. It was just everyone was just there for the music. You know, it was literally everyone just loved the music so much um and it brought in people from different classes and you know some people you know some white people you know they you know they 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 started to really you know some some yeah some some you know people from white backgrounds that were maybe brought up you know in the suburbs you know where maybe they don't see many uh, cultural people, you know, people of, uh, you know, black origin or whatever, you know, it, w- it was this jungle scene that kind of merged everyone together and it was like, oh, we're all just, we're all just the same, we're all just humans, we're all, we all love this music, we all need to dance, we all need to release, we all need to connect and for me, that's what jungle did, um, you know, um, I mean, I- I've always, obviously my mum's half Indian so, you know, I've always had this kind of you know, mix of culture around me. So I didn't have to learn it that way. But I mean, what I loved about the, the jungle scene was that that's what it did. It just brought everyone together. And yeah, it was beautiful. And yeah, you know, the best times of my life, um, you know, and all my friends, the majority of my friends in my life, have, I've all met through the music. And so it's such a blessing. Music just connects us all, and it's just incredibly magical. And even even just, I mean, I've 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 not even learned a single chord. You know that my it's I don't know whether it's a case of just not having that musical ability. It's just that my own creative interests have taken me a different path. But I've always just admired from the outside, which was part of the reason that I wanted to start this project that that we're involved together with. This lend me your ear was this love of of exactly what what you hit upon. What were the origins of Young Urban Arts Foundation? Was was there a kind of long arc to to your arrival there from, from, yeah, the, from music? Yeah, so I mean, going back again to my sort of upbringing and you know my earlier years. Um, so you know, I, you know, I got involved in some you know some pretty heavy things. So um, even from fourteen years old, I got involved in a gang um, in in the West End, um, which I wasn't involved in for too long. And then as I got into my sort of late teens, um, I got, well, it's now, I now realise I was groomed by a gang. And, um, but I didn't realise it was a gang. I thought they were all my friends. Um, <laughs> you know, it was just, I just, yeah. So I was hanging around with, you know, just a lot of drug dealers and people that were doing crime and doing all sorts of stuff. And 
you know, just by proxy, you know, I got involved in all that. And um, because I had this musical career, you know, in the late 90s, um, you know, I was one of the first female MCs um, in the sort of jungle drum and bass scene. So um, I always had this this kind of uh, foundation that kept me away from or not so involved in this kind of this this gang culture that I was you know very rapidly getting getting myself you know tied into and I in 2001 I was 21 years old oh there we go I've just told my age there (laughs) um but yeah when I was 21 I had this opportunity I mean I was doing really well in the music um you know, I was touring and it was amazing. I mean, I had the most amazing, the, the late 90s and early 2000s for me were the best years of my music career. Um, uh, and I'm sure there's more to come, but yeah, if I look back. And uh, yeah, I got, um, I went to the music conference and um, I met up with, well, I met these these American artists, uh, TC Islam and um, Cool Herc and, you know, some of the pioneers of hip hop and it was just amazing. And uh, they basically said to me, you know, like, come back to America and we'll get you some gigs. So I went back to New York and I did some shows. And uh, and at that point, you know, in my life, like, there was so much going on at home. Like, with my dad, my dad was still, you know, he was still an alcoholic. He was still abusive, you know. And as I got older in my later teens, you know, that abuse started to, you know, I started to get it, you know. And so I didn't want to be home much, which is why I ended up, getting sort of wrapped up with this gang because I was looking for a family. Um, I was looking for, I was looking for something that I didn't have, which was, you know, which was security and love and no violence and all that sort of stuff. So when I went to America, when they, and when I went to America, New York, they basically, my friends over there basically said, look, come and move here. You know, like you've got a room. There was, we had this massive like compound this massive house it was like a creative hub and they said look just come here and stay here and you know do your music and I was like wow all right cool so I came home um for a couple of months I was on probation at the time (laughs) and um uh yeah and I moved to America and I went lived there for just over a year and a half and that changed my life, you know, like without the opportunity to, you know, go do my music, like, I just don't know where I'd be today, um, I had an amazing time there, I really, you know, mastered my art, learned about hip-hop, learned about rap, like, from the originators in America, um, toured, you know, it was just an amazing experience, and then, so when I came home, I was a completely different person, you know, I was just, like everyone in the UK, you know, who I was, you know, getting in trouble with, they forgot about me, <laughs> you know, so I was able to come back and start a brand new life. And, you know, so 23 years old, I was like, fresh start, new me, new life. And- wow. And what, what a beautiful illustration of wearing your passion on your sleeve and doing, and what, what doors that can open without, you know, beyond your wildest dreams and expectations. Yeah. I mean, like without, so going back to, you know, the, the Young Open Arts Foundation, it's like that that person, T.C. Islam, um, he died a couple of years ago, rest in peace, T. Um, and he was the person that I am now for other young people. Mm. He was the one that says, 
come on, get out of the place you're in. You know, you don't need to, you shouldn't be with these people. They're not doing anything for you. You know, all you're going to do is you're either going to end up dead in prison or an addict. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It was like, yeah. those are the three options when you're in those situations. So he was my young urban arts. You know, he picked me up and then I had a crew, you know, Prince Tafari, you know, they all, they were like, they were like my mentors. Um, it was just amazing. And so... Going back to sort of Young Urban Arts Foundation, it wasn't something I sat down and schemed and thought about at all. Um, I got to, my music was, I got back from the States and my music was still going really well and everything was just, you know, well, but within myself, I wasn't, you know, I was still really troubled. Um, yeah, I was really troubled. I was a really troubled woman, young lady, and yeah, just all the trauma and just everything it was just a lot a lot to deal with so I kind of when I got to about 26 27 I kind of embarked on this 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 spiritual journey I suppose you know it was like this journey of like going inside and really trying to uh, release all that pain um, and release everything that I'd been going through um, over all the years and whilst on I was embarking on this this journey I started to, well, I, don't, I didn't even think about it. It just happened. I just wanted to start helping people. Um, and it's a long story how it all started, but basically I went to a school and I did a talk and I, you know, after that day, it was just like, I feel like I need to be helping young people. Um, I set up another company with another person. There's, a long, there's another story to that. I won't go into it too much. Um, and then, yeah, and then, you know, started off very small just doing workshops in youth clubs and yeah and then it just pretty much grew from there really but really coming from the basis of music saved my life music got me out of a hole music has made me an incredible person so why not share it you know why why I, I felt I really do believe that these talents are not meant to be kept just for ourselves I completely agree. I completely agree in it, and it's something in me that I'm un I'm unable to deny. In terms of always, oh, always tr having to lend anything that I have that's close to a talent to a cause th that not just relate, but you know, in your case, that's something you absolutely lived, and and by the sounds of it, painfully so. In terms of you know being caught up in gangs and, and being a troubled person, and I would, I mean, you're better positioned to say than me, but I would hazard a guess that for young people, there's Young people, you know, people they don't know themselves yet, so they're probably dubious about anyone that would would come in the guise of someone who's coming to help. Cynicism, I guess. Therefore, someone like yourself, who's 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 lived it and can speak that language, is that crucial? That I, I, I would guess. Well, that... yeah. I mean, I can't really speak the language anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, honestly, I mean, I've been, I've been, you know, it's been ten years. We're in our tenth year now, which is amazing. Um, Congrats! That's really impressive. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 not just it's not me. You know, I'm not I'm not on the ground anymore. But it's actually, you know, having, you know, our facilitators, our tutors that are working with the young people, they're the ones that have got the experience. Now they've either been through what I've been through, or they've had families as addicts, parents as addicts, or they've got no parents, or they've just lived in poverty. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's all these, mm. you know, these factors. But yeah. It, they, ha they, they have to be relatable to these to the young people you know they, 
they, they, they young people, <laughs> young people see through things like glass. You know, it's just you cannot <laughs> fool a young person. I don't care what anyone says. You can't fool them. Like they're the most intelligent, intuitive, creative, powerful humans on this planet. You know, and I firmly believe that, which is why I stand with them for them. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't, <laughs> you know, it's, that's one, 10 years, God. I mean, that, that's amazing. And what about, the, how have things developed in that time and where, where do we find you now? Oh, my God. Um, so, I mean, it's been a real, a real journey, Ben. I mean, I'll give you some key, key things and I'll just try and, because 10 years is a long thing to cover, but. Of course. <laughs> so, the very beginning, I set up a company alongside the charity with another individual, another another lady, a friend, a, a friend at the time. And we, we started developing, we set up a company um, and we had these vans that we'd taken to, to estates to work with young people, which had DJ equipment in. Wow. And we'd go onto these estates and we'd work with them. Um, and anyway, so we worked together for four years. We went on to Dragon's Den. We were on BBC One. Like, we got loads of press and it was amazing. And um, so my father committed suicide um, in 2010. And uh, it was, yeah, and as you can imagine, like everything I've just explained about, you know, my relationship with my dad Mm. and then, you know, finding him hung, you know, from his attic. So it was a very difficult time for me at that time. I was still grieving my dad and... Um, and obviously grieving, you know, leave, you know, leaving his business, which was helping young people. So end of 2011, I was like, God, what do I do? <laughs> I was like, do I just keep going or do I get a job? Do I go and do my music again? I just wasn't sure what to do really. So um, I ended up saying within six weeks, sorry, I'm just going to, you know, develop the other arm, which is the charity, which is Young Urban Arts. And I'm just going to start again. So I started again with £50 in my bank, didn't have anywhere to live. <laughs> it was just like I had absolutely nothing um, apart from a very loyal, sturdy boyfriend at the time who was just completely amazing and just said, look, you know, come move in with me and just do what you need to do to get back on your feet. So on my own and with the support of, of Chris, you know, I was able to re-establish the organisation um it was very slow and steady and it was very hard and I didn't want it every morning was a struggle to wake up and it was just I was depressed and I was I was dealing with my own mental health stuff and grieving and oh it was just a really 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 difficult time in my life but again like I had this charity um I you know I had this organization it was like look well this put your focus into this you know and make a difference so so, yeah, slowly build that up. And then in 2013, we got our bus, which I'm sure you've seen, uh, which is um, a single-decker bus kitted out into a multimedia studio. We have uh, nine Apple Mac computers inside the bus, a vocal recording and um, a vocal booth. Uh, we've got a performance area on top, and we managed to get the bus. There's a whole story behind getting the bus as well. I don't want to bore you <laughs> with all the details. Um, but we got the bus, and uh, that was in 2013. And then... Around the same time, we had an amazing, uh, amazing man join our board of trustees, Tom Plimmer. Um, he was with us for six years. Um, again, another backbone to me, really helped me to get through, you know, all the tough times. 
the bus was out, it was doing great, and we were on the roads, and we were working with loads of estates, I was getting loads of contracts in, and things were really, really working. Um, I started to take on staff. Um, my mum was working for me at the time as well, like bless her, she was helping me when things were really hard. Um, and then in 2015, when the Tory government came in, they cut all the funding for youth services. Mm. So we were left in a position where I had to close down the organisation and get rid of all the staff. The staff had to go. The office had to shut down. It was a really difficult time. And again, it was another like crucial breaking point. Like, okay, what am I going to do? I'm on my own again. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, what do I do? You know, I really wanted to give up at that point. I was just like, I've had enough now. You know, I, I can't take it anymore. It was just so stressful and hard. And there was um, Wayne George, um, his name's DJ Deluxe. He started working with us in sort of 2013, 2014. And he basically said to me, you are not shutting this down. <laughs> 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 and I said, oh, I can't do it. You know, it's like, I can't do it anymore. And he was just like, look, we're going to just have to work it out. You know, you can't shut this down. It's doing way too much good for way too many people. You know, we're just going to have to downsize and restart again. And I was just like, I've done this twice already. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, uh, but that's what we did. You know, he helped me to get um, a space in in, a, in an office, uh, which was really hard because we moved from a really big place and stuff. Um, and again, like 20 beginning of 2016 started to rebuild again so we started to rebuild um so yeah so we 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 rebranded we restructured we looked at the programs I looked at everything like how we how can we streamline this whole organization so spent about six months doing that um also started to design a new program for mental health because obviously losing my dad you know I wanted to do more for men, uh, young men, and also one of our one of our students got murdered as well, you know, and he had mental health problems. So I was really, really keen to kind of relook at what what are our aims and objectives as a charity, you know, what is it we're really trying to, what problem is it we're really trying to overcome, and the the real issue is about, you know, giving young people access to tools to help them improve their mental health mm -hmm. you know and we, and there's there's studies upon studies proven about creativity and the positive impact it has on good mental health so around 2016 you know we were designing new programs we rebranded we had a massive launch event in july 2016 for our birthday and yeah, it's just been kind of like since then, we've just been growing and growing. And so it's been great. And we've still got the bus and, you know, I've got more team members now. And um, we had an incredible year last year. Just so, you know, so many uh, people in the music industry, you know, we were acknowledged in the music industry. We were picked as charity of choice by the AIM Awards and uh, DJ Mag and uh, Ninja Tune Records and... You know, we had some amazing events last year, which really sort of raised the profile of, of the charity, which is brilliant. So, 
So yeah, that's where we're at at the moment. First of all, I'm sorry to say about your dad because it's such a tragic um, problem. You know, and and so uh, I've done a lot of work with Calm also, yeah. Um, and you know, I mean that it's all out there, but it's just it's heartbreaking. But also, just congrats on. I mean, talk about resolve and, and to come through all those challenges the way you have. <laughs> I mean, like if if it, like if there's one word, if people say to me, you know, like oh, give me three words to describe yourself. Like the top word is resilient. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> you know, like my level of resilience is just award. Uh, it's award-winning resilience. It's incredible. <laughs> and, um, no one's ever said that to me. Award-winning. <laughs> that just came came out of my face, but it's. Yeah. <laughs> but that's um, that's incredible. And there's there's two two big things that you hit up on there that I'd like to talk about. And the first one was a big positive, and it's at what kind of response? You know, you talked about the bus and about. Yeah. For those for the for the for the young people who maybe haven't had the the guidance in life or or the opportunity or the right people to to steer them towards something that they can connect with in the way that you connected with your music or I connected with drawing and 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 sport. What what is it like to see that up close and personal? And how do those uh, do people connect with that? Do you know what Ben? I mean, like when I'm, I'll answer the question, but I just want to say something first. You know, when when I'm going through these moments of oh, this is so effing hard. <laughs> you know, why am I putting myself through this? Why don't I just choose an easier job? Like, why don't I just do something which is, like, going to be easier? When I feel those moments, I go to a project and I go and meet the young people. Mm. And just the utter... So the bus, for example, like, a, you know, if we arrive on an estate for the first time and you observe you'll see like how sort of, you know, they're very uh, apprehensive, you know, that you can see it in their faces and their body language and then they get on the bus and then they start to kind of poke their head up a little bit and you see a bit of interest. And then our artists, our facilitators, you know, they start talking about their journey a little bit. You know, like one of our artists, Joel, Mr. Lees, he, two years ago, he was living on the streets. Mm. And now he's at university, he's a musician, and he's a teacher. Wow. Uh, yeah, you know, it's like, so, you know, like you were saying before about, you know, being able to relate, like, that alone will engage a young person. Because they're like, oh my God, that means I can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, so you'll see them be a bit apprehensive, and then you'll see them engage, and literally, Ben, within an hour, they're in their element. <laughs> it's like... one hour they're in their element and whatever that element looks like to them you know it could be someone creating a whole beat or it could just be someone a young person talking to another young person on their estate they've never spoken to before Mm -hmm. or it could be engaging with another young person who maybe they were scared of before because they didn't know them Mm -hmm. you know so the work we do with the arts and music there's there's that whole element of the benefits and you know of creativity but but and going on to these estates we're doing a lot of community cohesion work you know we're going in there and we're bringing together all these young people that may not have engaged and what we're doing essentially is we're empowering them um we're empowering them through the arts but we're empowering them because we allow them to lead the way like we will go on the bus and say look right we've got a studio here you've got a rapid tutor here You've got a music production shooter. What do you want to do? <laughs> you know? Mm. And we're not going in there and 
with lesson plans. I mean, we do have structure, obviously, but, you know, we, we do let them guide, guide us in what they want to do. And so young people go on there, they've either not rapped before and they've written their first lyric or they've written lyrics before, but they talk about, you know, a lot of negative content. And then we start to share different perspectives on how they can share their stories because some young people, they spit lyrics and, you know, they're not living what they're spitting. You know, they're not. They're, they're talking about things they've never seen or they just see on TV or they just hear other rappers talking about. But there are young people that are, have got horrific stories that are, you know, engaging with guns and knives all the time and drugs and having to, you know, being mulled by these gang, gangs and, you know, and they're talking about it in their lyrics. And actually... You know, that's letting them express themselves. But what we do is we help them to storytell. It's like, okay, great. Well, let's help you to share your story in a way that is, one, not going to get you in trouble, <laughs> you know, if people hear the song, mm. but also to help them to tell stories in different ways. And they're transferable life skills because if you can tell your story in a very powerful way, you know, you can stand up and you can go to a job interview. You know, you can stand up and do a presentation. You know, you will have the confidence to be able to speak to another person that maybe you didn't have the confidence to speak to before. So all these skills on the bus or the music, you know, they're all fantastic skills that some might go on and carry on like me and go and do, you know, and pursue a career. Um, and some... You know, it might just be the door opener for us to get them into another opportunity. So, for example, there may be a young, a young, young lady who's writing lyrics, but through the lyrics, we understand that she's really into fashion. Mm -hmm. You know, and we start to open up that conversation. Oh, great, it's cool. So, you know, what's this lyric about? Oh, yeah, I really want to be a designer. Oh, that's good to know. We've got a bank of partners all across the capital where who can help young people in all different ways. So the bus going into these estates really is just the, the way to find out what they need, what they want, you know, what's going on for them. How can we support you more? And also let's get creative and have some fun. So there's just so many benefits to this. I mean, and this is just the bus, you know, we do other programs as well, but you know, it's like, there's just so many benefits to the work we do mm. um, with these young people. And, and for me, yeah, I mean, it's the driving force behind everything that I do. And, you know, I'm really anxious at the moment about, I'm really anxious about, I'm feeling really emotional when I'm saying this, but I feel really anxious about this summer. Mm. Like, because there's been like 49 deaths this year already, mm -hmm. you know, young deaths, young kids that have been killed. And summer is the most vulnerable time for them. And, I'm anxious that I'm not going to bring in enough money for this bus to be out there every day. Mm. Um, because the, as far as I'm concerned, if the bus is out, we're, do, we're preventing. If they're on the bus, they're safe. Mm -hmm. You know, if they're on the bus, they're not going to be picked up by a gang. You know, if they're on the bus, they're, we're raising their aspirations, you know, and if they're working with us. So, like, I'm very, I was just speaking to one of my colleagues at work today and just said, like, I'm really, I'm not, worries, not a good word, but I'm anxious for the young people this summer you know i just feel like it's if they don't have enough to do there's going to be a lot there's you know there's just going to be a lot of mm. i don't want to put it i don't want to put it out into the i don't want to put it out into the universe and create it <laughs> you know and say what 
is possible if if there's not enough preventative activities for them this summer. Yeah. No, you. I mean, where to yeah. even where to even start? Because I mean, this is this is this has been a bee my bonnet for a long time, and and. Yeah. I'm fortunate enough to never. I haven't. I didn't live in a particularly. You know, we, my my parents were po- were poor enough, but we th- th- we didn't live in an area where I was exposed to to much in the way of violence or unrest. Um, but one thing, one thing, and you hit upon something there in the work that you do, and it's something I try to cover in any project, whether it's this one that I'm doing now, whether it's the work I did with Calm, and it's never when I preach, not preach, but when I shout about this stuff about the creativity it's never it was never about art and artists it was it was no. it was about human belonging and what you exactly oh, what, and exactly yes. what you said about the you know a young person meeting another young person who they didn't know existed and just that switch flicking of knowing that there's someone else in the world that is in some way like them and 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 it's a place to be and, and all young people have excess energy and they need a place to feel where they belong and can belong. hang out and, and you know our thing is about Young people being seen, being heard, and being celebrated. Yes. You know, celebrating the smallest things. Like we work in pupil referral units doing our wellbeing programs around, we do a three month program called Skip to the Beat. Skip to the Beat is a three month music and art journey. I call it a journey because it is a journey for them. It's a journey for us, you know, when we, mm. when we embark on this journey with them because it really is about self discovery and it's about community building so if we're working with a group of 12 young people they essentially are a community you know they're all sharing together they're all growing together they're all creating together and you know and we're creating these peer support networks for them because they need each other you know they need they need us really but we're not there enough for them you know they need each other because to remind them of the tools they're learning in these spaces with us and also to build friendships mm-hmm. and like you said to feel like they're not alone because you know especially with social media and all the pressure that these young people have been you know born into they've been born into this horrific horrific techno tech you know space of technology and I'm, and I know technology has you know huge benefits and I'm I'm not you know, downplaying the benefits of technology, but, you know, they have to put on such a face that they don't even know who they are anymore. You know, like, we really, what we do at Young Urban Arts is we really tap into who they are authentically and we allow them to be who they are authentically. It's, like, an example of that is, like, in our pupil referral uh, unit programme we've just finished on is, you know, we've got all young people that have been expelled from school all been put in one school together, all with complex social, emotional, mental, behavioural issues, all of them, and they're put in this one place. And they're not put in a very nice facility, they're put in like an old primary school or something, it's just so degrading. But what happened recently, which is quite interesting, and I do share this story often, we were in the classroom and suddenly, you know, there was a, not a fight that kicked off, but they were just throwing stuff and... And all of the facilitators just sat in the chairs and just let them all throw stuff around the room, right? <laughs> and then we just we just waited till they stopped. And we said, "Okay, guys, when you're ready, let's 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 have a chat about what happened." And they expected us to call them bad, 
it was negative, you know, you're wrong, you know, you need to say sorry. Like, we do not use that language in our organisation at all. You know, we allow them to express themselves and then we allow them to reflect upon what actually happened and where did that come from? Because that in life is what we need to do as humans all the time, is we need to be able to have that self-reflection time. And But the thing is, young people aren't taught how to reflect. Mm-hmm. They're not taught how to reflect. Only when they're bad, oh, you, you know, go to your room and reflect on what you did because you're bad. It's like, it, it's, it, it, that, that doesn't help the situation, you know? It's like, you know, what we try to encourage is a really healthy playing field of going, look, we're all humans in this room. Like, we're just here facilitating your space, you know, but we're not any higher. We've got, we've got more life experience than you, you know, and we'll share those life experiences and we'll try to pass down our wisdom. And if you want to take it on, you can. And that approach, you know, it works because they don't feel judged they feel listened to, they feel seen. A lot of these young people, they feel so unseen. I mean, oh gosh, I mean, we have an exercise that we do where it's a warm, it's, a, it's an icebreaker, but it's, you know, we, we, we do a name game and then we one person goes in the middle and they say hi. So I go in the middle, I say, oh, hi, my name's Kerry. And then everyone in the room will go, hi, Kerry, you're amazing, right? <laughs> <laughs> and the response, is so hard to watch sometimes. It's so beautiful, but so hard because they've never been told that before. Mm. They've never been seen as amazing. They've never been told they're amazing. They've never been celebrated. Like, we celebrate young people, like one of the young people, a young person um, on one of our programs this year, um, he was in uh, a PRU, a PRU unit, um, and he was in the school for three weeks hasn't said a word to anybody in three weeks. Not a word, Ben. Not a word. They all just thought there was something wrong with him, right? We rock up (laughs) within two days. He's talking and he's playing the drums. And this young boy, I mean, he was just so talented. He could play the piano and no one in the school knew. And as soon as he was seen and celebrated, he changed. That's unbelievable and brilliant. You know, and that's just one example of so many examples I could share with you, but it's about being seen and being heard. I keep repeating it, but it's just... like Even as as humans, like, you know, as an artist myself, you know, I've just... I've had a sabbatical for a long time because I've been running a charity, but I'm now back doing my music again. And even for me, you know, like the confidence, I've had to really rebuild myself as an artist and I still am, you know, I'm very much in the early stages of rebuilding myself as a performer and artist. And like I did a gig at the weekend and I was really seen. I was really celebrated and I was really heard. And just that feeling alone has just changed how I feel about myself. You know, so this isn't about young people. This is about human beings. It's about pillars of humanity and what we need yes. as, as 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 intelligent beings. You know, it's yeah. it's that's what it is. These are keystones, and it breaks my heart with the cuts because when you see the statistics about youth clubs, those places are. I, I describe. I've been writing a piece recently about this, and I just, I described. It might be cheesy, but I described them as urban temples because that's they are I'm, urban temples, Ben. Because. Oh, sorry, I'm going to start getting really passionate and start speaking too loud. <laughs> they are literally, they are, you know, why did they take those away? I mean, like, what? 
what in their right mind were they thinking for taking away those? And then, you know, anyway, I'm not going to start getting political, but, you know, it's like, no wonder, you know, we've got young people being picked up by gangs and taken to county lines and being shipped out of London to sell drugs in, in you know, in crack houses and because they're not in the youth clubs being kept safe by youth workers. Exactly. When it should be, why is it not common sense that when there's, when there's no guidance coming from the home for whatever reasons that... Particularly kids in cities, you know, it, it, it's it, where where the hell else are you going to go? You got to spend four quid to go in a bloody coffee shop. Um, you know, yeah. libraries are closing, youth centres are closing. It's like, what the hell are they supposed to do? That's you know, that's that's my issue. When all young people have excess energy, I got caught. I was one of the better kids. And I got caught shoplifting. I did all the mischievous stuff. Luckily, you know, I had parents who 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 didn't come down on like a ton of bricks. They just pushed me towards the right things. But when that's missing, these places are utterly crucial. Yeah, I mean, you know, my mum, and, you know, my mum sent me to karate, you know, I was a sea cadet, um, you know, in, in my early teens, you know, my mum made sure we went swimming on a Saturday, we went to the cinema, you know, there was a local youth club, you know, we had, you know, and I still, and I still went off the rails, <laughs> you know. Oh God, it's I not, a, it's not, it's not a given, it just gives people a chance. It gave, yeah, but it gave me a chance, I mean, I went, I was went to seek it because I was my mum was like you need some discipline <laughs> like you know yeah yeah and, and I got chucked out of secrets because I was like drinking and all sorts of stuff <laughs> but the bottom line was was that you know yeah you know it's about activities for young people and I, I speak to my, you know I've got a I've got a couple of nephews and a niece and you know I was speaking to my my my, my sister uh you know a few months back and she was, you know, she was a bit concerned for her boy. And I just said, well, we need to get him into some activities, mm-hmm. you know, get, let's get him into some activities. And he is absolutely shining. We got him into a performing arts um, weekend school and he is like, he's absolutely shining because he's expressing himself. He's busy. He's connecting with other young people. He's getting on a stage. He's being seen. He's being heard. You know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, these are all the things that, you know, growing up and the first eight years, you know, the first eight years of our lives completely define who we are. We can obviously we can change them. You know, nothing has to stick. You know, we can change everything. But you know, it's like these early years are just the most important. And I don't know. I mean, I'm probably going to be going off, and you might want to cut this off the podcast. But you know, Marianne Williamson. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she's a a spiritual author and uh, teacher. Please look her up. But mm-hmm. she's in America and she's going for presidency. Wow. And her one of her things is like, we need to nurture elementary schools, primary schools, because they're the leaders of this world. If these young people are not looked after now, this you, this planet is absolutely screwed. Mm-hmm. You know, let alone let's not you know, let's not talk about the environment. That's another issue. But, you know, like in terms of like moving forward, like how does the older generation, older than you and I, you know, most of these people in power, how do they, who do they think is going to run this country? (laughs) You know, like, it's not going to be us and it's not going to be them. It's going to be these young people. And, you know, and I absolutely, oh my God, like absolutely tears of joy. You know, when I see people like Greta, you know, standing up for the environment, these young people that are saying, no, we want a future. It's incredibly inspiring. You know, oh my God. 
God, it's just like I've I've yes. had I've had I mean a number of personal meltdowns over the last few weeks over this. I'm a sensitive person, and particularly with this yeah. issue, and like and I put myself through what you know I knew would would be a bad idea in the short term in terms of watching the documentary, learning all the facts. But I felt it was a moral responsibility to do it. And I said to my wife, "Are you talking the, about planet?" Sorry, yes, yeah. yeah and I said yeah. to my wife the next day, I said, "We if if we can't." get behind 16 year old kids who are doing this on mass we should be ashamed of ourselves because exactly. that's that's amazing you know they they much at that age i was more worried about Leeds united than i was the planet you know that's the yes. real, that's the reality of where a lot of minds are at that age so to see this kind of awakening is is amazing and we need to get right behind them but but, but that it's not just an environmental thing that that should stand for all the work you guys are doing and and, and just and human humanity really you know yeah and you know you know these young uh, let's call them leaders you know these young leaders you know inspired me even more to go gosh i really am on mission you know i'm on my mission and what I'm doing with Young Urban Arts is completely aligned to what needs to be happening in the world right now. There needs to be more people like me, <laughs> you know, like standing, you know, for these young people. You know, it's just mm-hmm. so, it's, it's so crucial. And I'm really grateful that I'm still, we're still here after 10 years and, you know, and getting support by people like yourself, you know, and being seen by people like yourself and getting the support and, mm. You know, and and allowing you know even on this podcast, just being able to actually speak openly about not really even the work that we do, but actually what's behind the work that we're doing. Like, you know, we are Young Urban Arts Foundation. You know, one person at a time, one day at a time, will lead to global change. You know, it's it's like it's it, it, it's 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 big, but it's real. You know, it's like by empowering the young people here we're changing the world, mm-hmm. you know, and as adults, you know, you know, for anyone listening to this podcast, you know, and if something you haven't thought about, you know, you don't have to help a charity, you don't have to donate money, but what you can do is look at the young people in your life and see what support they need, whether it's your children, whether it's your friend's children, whether it's just a young person that you happen to know, find out what they need you know, and see how you can support them. Even if you decide there's one young person that you're going to support all the way through, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. It's whether it's like us, where we're supporting thousands of young people or you're supporting one, like just do it. <laughs> and, and if you don't know how to support that young person, please get in touch with us because we'll be able to guide you. Um, you mm. know, if, if there's something that a young person needs that you don't know where to get it or if it's a mental health, issue and the waiting lists are you know the waiting lists are too long um for support for mental health but we have back back routes into getting support for young people so you know hit me up hit other organizations up you know there's lots of support out there um and advice if there's a young person or a child in your life that you just feel like actually they just need something they're they're you know they're they're, they're about to go on you know a different path or you can mm. see I don't know. I'm waffling a bit, but just, no, but um, no, but I get you completely, and I think it's really important because it's funny because there's in terms of role models, like you said, it's probably not going to come from schools all that much because of uh-huh. the pressure that teachers are under, and then you know the, all the reasons that are, that are wrong with the education system. And then on the other yeah. end, of, at the other end of the scale, you've got you know role models, the people that we're representing in this project. 
it's okay. It's great to show these people who've whether they've succeeded or they've done something uh, because of who they are in the, in music. But they they're not accessible. So that it's the people at ground level in their lives already or close to their lives that uh, yeah. have this this crucial role, as you've just said. Um, to just reach out, whether it's a, a single gesture or, like you said, it's taking someone under your wing. I can point to a number of mentors in my own life, but my family included, that were yeah. absolutely pivotal in in helping me to understand what was inside and who I might become and who I was. You know, that's that's it's so hard because no one knows when they're young. They, they really don't. I know people now in the fifties who don't know who they are. You know, that's the... <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, and it's those. It's those helping hands. It's and also, even if it's not, if you don't think a young person is troubled, but actually, like I said, celebrating something small that they do, mm-hmm. like you know, sometimes, sometimes, just seeing a young person going, "Wow, that's amazing! Look how creative you are!" and then it opens up a conversation about, "Well, what else? What else is possible for you?" So it's also about exploring. Because young people's imaginations is amazing. I mean, they have the most amazing imaginations, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's about helping them to tap into that imagination more because what you, you know, what you can see, you can make happen. So it's so it's either, there's two sides to it. There's either the, okay, help them to work through the trauma, the pain, the suffering, if that's where they're at, or it's also about if they're just, you know, if they're just doing okay, you know, giving them more giving them more, empowering them more and mm-hmm. giving them more to see more in themselves and letting them know that they are full potential and letting them know that like, the possibilities are absolutely limitless for them, mm-hmm. you know, and it's about, you know, that sort of language as well. It's about, that how, you know, how are we speaking to these young people? What is the language we're using? You know, are we using empowering, are, you, are we using um, an empowering language when we're communicating with these young people? You know, are we allowing young people to just say, like, you know, a lot, you know, even as adults, if I say to you, Ben, oh, how are you? And you'll say, yeah, I'm okay. You might not be all right. <laughs> yeah. But you just say you're okay because that's how society has taught us mm-hmm. to communicate. I'm not bad. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm alive. I'm surviving. You know, it's that very kind of disempowering language when we really try to remove the language of I'm okay, I'm all right, I'm good. It's like, well, there are other words to describe how you're feeling. Yeah. You know, well, I'm feeling a bit low today. I'm super excited today. You know, I'm feeling confused. Oh, I just don't, I just don't know how I feel. Even that's better yeah. than saying I'm okay. Because then you can explore that. So it's, there's just, I mean, I could just, download a wealth of stuff to you on this 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 conversation ben but there's just so many ways we can help you know and again like like i said with young people it's like helping them to explore their feelings and letting them know it's okay like i'm a very emotional person you know so i you know when i'm on some projects and i'm very moved i will not shy to cry Mm -hmm. you know I do feel embarrassed sometimes because everyone's always, oh, Kerry's always crying. (laughs) But but I'm very, you know, I'm very led. But when a young person sees um, a role model, because, you know, I'm a role model to a lot of these young people, you know, cry, they then realise it's okay to cry. Yeah. 
You know, it's like, can we as adults be real enough? Can we stop putting on this front? Mm-hmm. Can we just stop it? <laughs> yeah. Can, we just, stop, can it, we just stop putting on this front? Because they're modelling us. Yeah, and it's a big, and it's a major, you know, it's a historical taboo when it comes to mental health um, at, at the sharp end, uh, but also in its subtleties. Hmm. My so, way. I mean, look, I mean, we could go on forever with this, Ben. Yeah. I mean, it's so many, <laughs> you know, different ways. But, but my, I think my point I'm getting at here is there are so many ways everybody can help. Mm-hmm. Just like there's so many ways this people can help the environment. Yes. You know, like some people, you know, will start recycling. They might change their car. They might start riding a bike. You know, there's, you know, there's small, very small, but very significant things mm-hmm. that as a collective, if we all do lots of small things, it will make a big change. 100%. And, and in terms of, because my listenership's very, um, there's a lot of designers, a lot of illustrators, artists, musicians. Mm. Um, I, do you welcome, you know, what's the what's the protocol for someone who might want to lend their talents to the work you're doing? Oh, amazing. Um, so we have a pool of um, paid uh, tutors who are artists. Um, anything from sort of music producers to rap, poetry, spoken word, visual artists, dancers, um, and we have a sort of key pool of people that we work with and we're always open to meeting new people to join the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, and we're even more open to volunteers coming in to join our existing team to support them because the more adults we have, the more one-to-one support the young people can get. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you, you know, when you put this podcast up, you'll be putting all our contact details. So, you know, very happy to, you know, have a call, you know, speak to Debbie or Laurie in the, in the team and they can, you know, talk you through the procedure if you wanted to come and find out a bit more about how you can contribute to, you know, this 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 movement of change and transformation. Wonderful. And it's truly inspiring. Um, it really is right from, you know, from your individual story right through to what's going on now with Young Urban Arts. So um, I'll be very much interested in you know, going way beyond this and hopefully helping you out with, with whatever oh, I can do. Thanks, Ben. Because, yeah, no, it's, it's so, so crucial. Like you said, we could talk all day about the issues, but it's, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't take a lot to start a, a positive chain reaction with this stuff because, you know, not too many people are born bad. That's, you know, that's the way I see it. No one, you know, again, you know, just going back to what I was saying, it's like no one is born bad. Mm-hmm. It's just their experiences that, because... Oh, here we go again, but, you know, <laughs> it, it, yeah, but it, 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 it's the experiences that create the behaviours because the subconscious mind just wants to keep us safe. Mm-hmm. So that's the job of the subconscious mind, you know, it's to keep us safe. So based on an experience, so if something happens, say, for example, I'm bullied at school um, because I spoke up and then I'm bullied, the subconscious mind will then train you to say, well, don't speak up. Yeah. Because you're going to get bullied again. So, you know, and then we have to, you know, I've spent like 20 years trying to undo all that stuff <laughs> myself. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like it, no one's born bad. Um, like, as far as I'm concerned, and I know it's a very big statement to make, but I do not believe in bad. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in bad. I just don't. You know, I just, I just believe that, you know, that everyone, no matter how hard it is, creates their own experiences to learn what they need to learn to grow and 
there are things, loads of things that we could label bad, negative or wrong, but that's just joining this whole societal conditioning of good and bad, right and wrong. Yeah. You know, it's like there, there is there, there is none of that. It's just everyone's just <laughs> everyone's just here having this experience, you know. And yeah, I'm going on. You can edit no, that I can, no, I can, <laughs> I, I completely agree, Kerry. I really do. Yeah. And um, it's um, it's invigorating to talk to you. I'll say that. I wish, I wish the, I wish, <laughs> I wish you were in power. Let's put it that way. I wish, I wish, uh, you know, the, the 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 sort of system we have was different, and that. Well, you know, we could duplicate you and, and have you in charge because I think things would be a lot different. Well, you know, Ben, I am in power and so are you and so is everyone. Yeah. And the, 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 and the quicker everyone realises that we are in power, the quicker things will change. Yeah, well, there we are. There's a, there's a beautiful bookend. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, um, the, the very last question I always ask my guests, and it's just a bit of, it's yeah. a, bit of a fun question. It's called a shark in the tank after my... Favourite piece of art, which is Damien Hirst's uh, ridiculous <laughs> shark in the tank. And it's because it's such a love-hate piece of work. I ask for a, a love and a hate or a positive and a negative about the work you do and your creativity. It's a wide-open, fun question and can be as silly or as serious as you like. Well, for my creativity, the love is like connecting with the people and knowing that whatever it is I've created or performed has touched someone and inspired them in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely love that. Um, like the gig I did at the weekends in Amsterdam, you know, loads of people said, "Oh my god, like just feel so inspired." And I was just like, "Wow, like done my job," <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I think I hate. I have. Well, I don't use the word hate, but it's sort of. I think I think it's more about just the way that time is speeding up. <laughs> it's like yeah. just not having enough time to be creative more than I am mm-hmm. you know um yeah that's the kind of real bug for me just I'd love to just do this full-time but I also realize that without me doing music full-time isn't helping the kids <laughs> so yeah that's the reality we're in unfortunately yeah, yeah. It's, it's me too it's, yeah. I would love to just drop everything commercial and uh, commit straight to all these causes but sadly a bit more of a struggle than that <laughs> We'll get there, Ben. We will. We will. We will. And I believe that, you know. And uh, if I didn't, then, you know, it'd be a lot harder. So there we are. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to end on saying thank you so much for selecting the Young Open Arts Foundation to support for this incredible cause and the event. I think what you guys are doing is amazing. And the artwork is just uh, out of this world. And we're looking forward to uh, seeing you on the 23rd of May. Thank you, Kerry. No, I can't wait. And it's, um, like I said, I, and I totally mean it, I really hope it is just for the beginning because... Um, you know, this is something I've been doing in my own life for, for time now where and, and trying to help, you know, where I can with younger people, whether it's through writing or anything or doing, you know, working with people directly. So this is really exciting to have made this connection. So I can't wait, oh, to, see, great. Can't wait to see where it goes. Oh, I can't wait. Thank you so much to Kerry O'Brien. Um, genuinely one of the most inspiring conversations I've ever had, particularly at the end there when I said um, I wish she was in power. Owing to my despair about the, the, the way the government treats this whole issue and, and young people, and when she came back at me and said, remember, we are in power, that changed something in me. You know, Anything from my despondency over the, the state of the environment, uh, the state of young people's access to creativity and, and, and just love, it's that changed a lot of things to me. And her attitude and her strength, 
I feel that could be a lesson to all of us. So I hope you agree. Get us your feedback at Arrest All The Mix on the social media. Uh, go and support Young Urban Arts Foundation. They're always on the lookout for creative talent to, to be a part of their workshops and things. I think it would be the most heartwarming and wholesome experience and one of the best things you could do with your talents. So I encourage you, please do go and help them out in any way you can. Shout about them, donate to them, go and give them your talents and your time. Um, beautiful stuff. Beautiful stuff, thank you so much. We've got a little break coming up. I've thrown a lot of episodes at you recently, so uh, hold tight. It's going to be about three weeks until the next show. Now you've had three in a row, so don't be greedy. <laughs> I know you want it. Uh, cheers for listening. Uh, go and check out their work, Young Urban Arts Foundation, yuaf.org.uk. Uh, big issue in our society right now. Um, so, yeah, let us know what you've been up to. At WrestleMix on the social media, get us a little review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to these things on. It really helps. Um, cheers for the recent guests, Nadia Loscott from AMV BBDO, Andy Cotterill, music photographer. Um, it's been a good run. Cheers, please do keep spreading the word. I love doing this thing and you know it's great to be able to turn it towards social issues and whatever's going on. Whatever's topical, whatever's relevant and uh, let's keep doing that. So, you know, the more people listen, the more it helps get sponsorships. I can keep doing the show more and more, so please do shout about this stuff. It really means a lot. And it just gives me a lovely lift and helps my confidence because I ain't no broadcaster, but I love doing this thing. And the lovely feedback I get from you people means the world. Um, come down and see the exhibition. It's the last week this week. We're on until 6th of June, end of the day, um, at Stance Socks in Covent Garden, 3 Neil Street. Come down, check it out, lemmeareart.com. Mine and Andy Cotterill, music photographers, uh, collaboration, which we've had so much fun doing and supporting the likes of these, and also the campaign against Living Miserably Calm. Go and check those guys out too, doing wonderful work around the issue of male mental health and all the stigma that goes around that. Um, I think that's everything. Thank you to the sponsors. Illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk, theaoi.com, and filecore.co.uk. Beautiful people. They keep the show free. Nice one. Cheers. I banged on long enough. I hope you enjoyed the show. Have a good week. See you later, guys. Nice one.